Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Essentially, they only had enough money to, like, you know, put them into one, one of the boats. And obviously, I don't know if you've heard any stories around people kind of doing a similar type of escape type of journey, but they would use, they used to flood these boats, right? Like it was not safe whatsoever. There was no standard procedure, right? Everything was like under the table. And Mm -hmm. um, long story short, the boat ended up sinking. My name is Jay Wong and I am a model minority. Welcome to Model Minorities. This is a show about work and life told through the lens of what makes each of us different. I'm Sharon Lee Tony, a Chinese-American girl born and raised in New York City. And I'm Raman Segal, an Indian-American boy who came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. Through conversations with some really interesting people, we uncover the stories, perspectives, and often unspoken truths about how our guests uniquely experience the world. Basically what we're all thinking about, but probably not talking enough about. Whether you're Black, white, brown, yellow, gay, straight, boy, girl or anything in between. This is a show about all of you, for all of us. Today, we're talking to Jay Wong, host of the Inner Changemaker podcast. Jay is usually an open book when we've spoken to him in the past, and but today's conversation with him got really personal really quickly. Some of the things that he had mentioned is was around his family and how they immigrated from China and Vietnam. And he had mentioned that his family doesn't like to share their family secrets. And that was a big part of their experience fleeing one country and coming into another. Well, is that relatable to you, Sharon? Like Indian people, we kind of share a lot. But my observation of East Asians is like... Do you you have family secrets? We have have family secrets. What Um, are they? One really big one, which... <laughs> You're telling me? Okay. Yeah, I'm telling you. Because <laughs> I'm American. <laughs> this is not a very special episode on all minorities. So my grandfather, who's now passed away, my grandfather came over to the U.S. on a fake, uh, fake papers. So I don't really know how he got those papers. I'm not sure if they were given to him from a family member or if he bought them. But he came over um, using someone else's name. And he was... 15 years old when he had come over from China. He was in the United States for about 80 years because he lived until he was in his mid-90s. And he served in the army under this name. He was registered, you know, he had- In the U.S. Army? In the U.S. Army, yep. He had started a business using this name. So he, he ran a restaurant in Chinatown. He filed taxes and all of that stuff, I'm sure, under this name. He had social security number. And he was always afraid that they, quote unquote, they would find him. They would find out and that he would um, be deported or be sent back to his country. And I remember just thinking, wow, 
to be living in a country for 80 years and to have served the country, like literally in the military, to have, you know, traveled, he had come through. I didn't I didn't learn this until he had passed away, actually, of exactly how he had come over. But we found some uh, immigration papers that showed that he had actually come through Seattle, Washington, and he ended up in New York, New York. So he literally traveled across the entire country over some span of time using this, you know, using fake papers, always being afraid that he would get caught. And he never, he never talked about it. And now I'm openly talking about it because he's passed, but it's (laughs) on a podcast, on a podcast. It was just so interesting. It wasn't until his later years when I was older and really starting to understand the sort of like the, the heaviness of it and the impact of it that I started to really notice certain decisions that he made that's how private he was about about that experience because we didn't even we meeting his family didn't know exactly how he came into the country and how all that worked until he had passed away and we found some of his old documents. That's crazy. So, yeah, my parents. It's funny. Well, just to share a little, my my parents. I feel like there are a lot of stories that they have, and then we've heard them. I mean, I do think South Asians are a little more loud. There's not. There are certain things that are private, but we're a less private people has been my observation. But what's funny is my sister's heard certain stories and I've heard certain stories. Yeah. And now we're comparing notes on who's heard what. And even my sister listens to this podcast and she's even called me out on a few things. She's like, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> and and likewise, like when we have conversations or when we're home with mom and dad or just these assumptions, it's it's not that they're being kept secrets. It's just we're not all together anymore. So the stories are being shared asynchronously. Almost. Yeah. But back to Jay, I guess. What? What? Well, now first back to you. What has been your family's response to this podcast? We're almost a season in now. You know, my my sister's super supportive. Um, she posts about it on Twitter and all of that stuff. My dad has listened to it and he's he's given his you know nod of approval and he has told me it's good. My mom has said nothing, so I don't actually know if she's listened to this. Mom, are you listening? <laughs> I'm Tony. Oh no, hi Miss Lee. Hi Miss yeah, Lee. Mrs. Lee. I don't know if she actually listens to any of this stuff. Sometimes I feel like, but my mom is like that. She'll she'll be on Facebook and she doesn't have a profile picture and she doesn't like or comment on anything, but then she'll tell me what my friends are doing. Cause like, you know, she's connected with some, some of my friends and she'll mention something. And I'm like, where'd you get that from mom? She'll say, oh, Facebook. So she's like a stalker in that way. Okay. So that's a lot about our parents and our <laughs> family, but let's bring it back to our guest, Jay. <laughs> Yeah. One thing that he told us that I thought was very romantic was he goes into a a pretty exciting story about the way that his father had left Vietnam and come over to Canada, which you guys will hear about. But we had asked him about how his parents met and apparently they met back in Asia. And so they had known each other for many years um, his father had left the country. His mother was still back in China, I believe it was. And they kept in touch and then they made a plan to meet up with each other in Canada. And so they arrived. Um, I guess she arrived later, but they reunited in Canada and started their lives together. I thought that was very romantic. I mean, you took away the like sweet part. I, the drama for me was the boat story. Yeah. I, I just, as we were re-listening to this episode, I, it still sticks with me. Um, my parents came over on a plane. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, uh, I think it you guys were like, fancy. Wow. Yeah, no, but I mean, like so a fancy boat, <laughs> a boat from Vietnam, the South China sea overcrowded. Um, 
Yeah. You just you got to I mean, we already teased it a little bit at the front of the episode, but to just understand that the immigration story, it does have romance and beautiful things to it. Mm-hmm. But there's also just like some harrowing stories of how some people risk everything for their family. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't even to come to America. It was to get out of a bad situation. Um, right. Which, you know, it's it's interesting hearing your side, Remen, because when he was talking to us about his family history, I felt very connected to that. I actually feel like as a Chinese American, I really got that. Like my grandparents came over on boats. Like my grandmother came through um, Ellis Island on a boat. My grandparents were separated for about 20 years, maybe 30 years because women weren't allowed into the country at the time. So a lot of the, it's so fascinating that it was just normal. Like he was talking about it and it was definitely a very personal story, but I kind of normalize it in my mind. And then to hear you right now say that, you know, just even just sharing your opinion is kind of shocking to me because another thing he mentioned, which was also very similar to my own um, family background is his, his family owned a restaurant. And so in high school, he worked a summer in the restaurant and, you know, kind of, that was kind of their way of keeping an eye on him. And he was in his teenage years. And, um, so he was used as a, I was going to say child laborer, but that's terrible, right? (laughs) Family free help and intern at the restaurant. And that is very similar also to like my own family's, uh, history. My, my grandfather owned a restaurant and my dad, who was, you know, kind of a typical teenager kind of getting into, I'm sure trouble and other things, um, was also, given the job of working in my grandfather's restaurant when he was a teenage boy. So um, lots of commonalities there, which I find to be interesting. And probably the most diverse thing about Jay, who you're about to meet, is, I don't know if I can even say this on the air, he's Canadian. (laughs) So (laughs) we hope you'll enjoy our chat with our pal Jay. We kind of know each other, but I got to ask a question. I mean, the show's called Model Minorities, and I don't think you've been completely honest with us. I, are you Canadian? <laughs> Was this predicated on before we maybe started working together, maybe before the friendship? <laughs> we may I have mean, judged that. That may have been part yeah. of our evaluation. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, it's still considered it's it's in North America, right? And um it's it's really funny because I remember growing up, I actually grew up middle school, high school in the US in Maryland. And uh my best friend at the time, he gave me a t-shirt, which I still have, I, I imagine, somewhere. Um, but it literally said Canada exclamation mark, America's hat. Yes. Oh, that oh, wow. <laughs> and that was like the have- shirt. Right? Oh my gosh. Every time Did I would have send a leaf that on meme, it. Yeah, I had like the whole Canada. It wasn't even like red. It didn't even represent like the flag <laughs> or anything. It was like a like a little teal blue. But you know, everybody that I grew up with, everybody referred to me. You know how there's like kind of like a token, maybe like a token Asian person or a token Indian person or a token black person. I wasn't any of those, even though I'm Asian. I was the token Canadian friend that everybody yeah. brought to, to the party, right? It's like, oh, th- check out my friend. He's Canadian. And it's like, oh, right. okay. But 
So the other day we were talking to this Afri- uh, an African guest, right? He's from born and raised in South Africa. And he's talking about like the stereotypes as the African in the room. And, you know, they're like, oh, did you have a pet elephant or a pet cheetah? What do people say to you? Do you have a pet moose? Do they do they say a boot? Do they make kids in the hall jokes? What do they do? In in Canada or in, in America? You're Americans who called you out for being Canadian. Yeah, I mean, I mean, t- to be honest with you, I mean, I, I kind of leaned into it, right? Because the, the I don't even remember when I heard about this or like if I was doing this like intuitively or not. But it, it's it's kind of like the adage, you know, like the Eminem movie, right? Where like at the end of the movie where he's like, he's the one making fun of himself, like he's taking the lead on it, you mm-hmm. know? So like mm-hmm. it kind of takes out the ammunition, mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, um, so I, I I leaned in on it, and I was always like the Canadian, and so that was like like the terminology. <laughs> the I've never heard the, that the Canadian, right? So it wasn't the whole like, are you Canadian? Are you Asian? Like they couldn't make fun of me from either angle because it was like this unique, cool, but yet you're 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 you sound American, but you're not quite there right because i think canadians and americans we, we have some 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 you know subtle differences and um if you've been to both countries i think i think you you know but yeah i mean in canada everybody's like hey do, do you live in igloos right do you say a boot <laughs> hey say a boot right hey say yeah. a boot really quick yeah, right? yeah. And, and and so uh just like little 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 things like that but the thing is you don't say a boot do you no i don't i mean there are really there are different, I mean, just like in the US, right? If you're if you're chatting with somebody that is maybe in Florida or in New York or in California, that's just gonna be a very it's a it's a different experience than let's say chatting with somebody in in Boise or in Nebraska. And no, no hate to people in Boise, because I know people in Boise, right? Um, I, I'm like, sorry, I, I hate people in Boise. That's um that's a oh. group of people I, I'm oh, I discriminate come against. Come on. Come on. It's because it's because you're 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 from Alabama. Well, we have to make, there's not a lot of states we can make fun of. So Idaho is one of them. Idaho is one of them. Yes. They're good potatoes there. Good potatoes. Well, and, so, and they're downtown super cheap. Super awesome, by the way. <laughs> so, I was there for like 48 hours once. So basically. Broke a world record. I, I mean, different story, different time. The only thing I take away from this is that you did not have a pet moose. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, that, that's accurate. Yeah. I want, I want that on the record. Okay. Oh my okay. gosh. I don't think I've ever talked about this. I don't think I've ever talked about this on any show. We go deep on this show. Within the first two minutes. Wait, so you, Jay, you grew up in Canada, but you lived in Maryland. How did that happen? So my mom is a twin, meaning her and my aunt look very, very similar. And my aunt got really, really sick when we were growing up. And my parents are the type of parents that, I mean, just like most immigrant parents, they came to a country, in our case, it was Canada, with very little to their name, little, you know, no money, you know, mm-hmm. just, you know, entrepreneurial, great in spirit, like showed a lot of love, a lot of gratitude, and, but not a lot of like finances to, to back them. Didn't know the language, didn't know anybody in the country, right? And they're coming from and, China? Where, where yeah. are they coming from? Okay. I mean, if you guys really want to get into it. Yeah, um, let's get into so, it. Yeah, so my, my dad's actually from, uh, he, came, he came, he escaped Vietnam, even though originally their family was from Hong Kong. When, so what, my, my, when was Cool. Yeah, when um, was this? This was, I imagine, right around the, I, I don't know the exact, for, forgive me for not knowing oh, yeah, the exact. Yeah, the real reason I'm asking is But right, right around, I imagine, the, the, the Vietnam War, yeah. 
So during the war, before the war, after the war? Because there's different reasons. For I think they, they were they were escaping because they didn't want to, uh, I think at that time they were kind of enlisting everybody, right, to, yeah. to be a part of the war. So their their family essentially spent like, they actually had a very successful uh, like oil business, kind of like cooking oil, right? So they had a very, very successful cooking oil business back in Vietnam. And it's crazy because I've actually never... We've never shared and talked about this, but um, they spent pretty much, they almost like liquidated the entire business so that my, my dad and, and his younger brother and his younger sister, family of seven, by the way, so only picked the, the, you know, three of them. And essentially they only had enough money to like, you know, put them into one, one of the boats. And obviously, I don't know if you've heard any stories around people kind of doing a similar type of escape type of journey, but they would use, they used to flood these boats, right? Like it was not safe whatsoever. There was no standard procedure, right? Everything was like under the table and, Mm -hmm. um, long story short, the boat ended up sinking and actually most of the people on the boat ended up dying. And like, this was like, if you can imagine, right? Like not only did you just leave your parents and your family, right? Now right. you're, you find yourself swimming in the middle of wherever. Of the ocean. You know, yeah. Of the ocean. Totally. And right. you just, you just got PTSD probably from watching literally all, because um, the way that he, he would describe this to us. Um, and we, you know, it's so funny because I think one thing a part of Asian culture is like, you got to really dig for them to get to a certain level of emotion with you. Right. And Mm -hmm. you can see this on the surface because um, there's tons of like YouTube videos, Instagram stuff of like Asian Americans or Canadians or Asian individuals calling their parents and saying, I love you. Right. Something like that. And then their parents literally freaking out on the other line and not, you know, not saying I love you back. Right. But the reason I'm saying this is because back in almost like like 10 years ago, um, I was on this family trip with, with my family and we were stuck in the airport. And that was the time that was like the first time in my life that I ever heard that story, like 20 years, you know what I mean? Like 21 years later, it wasn't this thing that we would like put out there that he wanted to share. Right. But if you can imagine, um, a lot of the rich people, the, the way they like stack their boats was like, they would be actually on the inside of the boat. Right. Because then you, you know, warmth, heat, you know, Mm -hmm. storage, right? And if you didn't have a lot of money, you'd just be on the outside of the boat, right? But actually, because they didn't have a lot of money, that actually saved them because everybody that was inside the boat ended up drowning and and, and dying. Oh, because they got off the boat first. Exactly. Exactly. So whatever happened, they were able to, you know, change gears really quickly, right? Right. And so he ended up in in a refugee camp and, you know. And and where where were they trying to get to? To China, I assume? Um, Like, where's the boat going? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they were. I mean, I, I think at that point it was like, get me on any boat that is outside <laughs> of here, right? Yeah. Um, so look, I, I don't, I don't exactly know uh, where where they were intended on going, but essentially, yeah. once they were in the refugee camp, there was just different countries, right? Yeah. That like yeah. you could, you know, end up in Germany, you can end up in U.S., and they they just kind of it was kind of like this random. Ch- it's not like they even opened the map and was like, right. all right, guys, we're going tomorrow, we're leaving, and then we're going to end up here yeah. in, in Canada, this, this place that's, that's called Canada, it's cold. Right. And, you know, we don't know anybody there. Like that wasn't necessarily part of the plan, but it was all part of this type of survival mindset that they had to escape from. Right. That's incredible. Um, yeah. So, I mean, in some ways, um, 
I hope my dad never actually listens to this because every single time, believe it or not, I mention any stories of like my family and he's like in the crowd, like, you know, like they're, they're, they're proud to kind of see their son out there doing his thing. But at the same time, it's, there's, there's a part of the culture that's kind of like, Hey, don't share those because yeah, those right. are like, kind of like the, the dirtier secrets. Almost, yeah. Right. Yeah, family secrets. Whereas like, yeah. And, and I just think we're in a time where, look, I'm not saying we've got to share everything. Right. But at the same time, I do think that stories provide a lot of perspective, you know, and I'm in the business of creating great stories. Right. I'm in the business of helping people create better stories. So, mm-hmm. you know, this, this is, it, there's definitely a tug of war in me every single time we, we get into conversations like this. But um, yeah, to answer your question, that's where my dad came from. My mom, a little more simple. Um, she actually grew up in Guangzhou in, mm-hmm. in China. And so mm-hmm. they ended up, uh, kind of a love story on its own, but they were pen pals essentially. And then they ended up immigrating over to Canada. So was Aww. your dad, was your dad already in Canada pen palling to your mom in Guangzhou, fell in love, your dad flew back and then brought her over or she, she followed the letters and came to Canada. And then, I mean, how did yeah, no, out? I mean, it's, it's pretty much exactly what you just said. Um, and, and then I think back then, like once you, I were, watch too much Chinese opera. That's that's how I knew that. Clearly, yeah, it's, it's, clearly, you know yeah. exactly how it works, Roman. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's less singing and dancing, like in Bollywood, but yeah, yeah. it's the same, you know. Yeah, archetype. and a lot of like a lot of makeup usually, right? Is it really? No. Yeah, yeah, kind of traditional <laughs> Chinese opera. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go on. <laughs> so look, when when they were in Canada, the reason I was telling you all that, I, I actually didn't even intend on telling you guys that story. But the reason we ended up in the U.S. is because they're coming from this mindset of like, hey, we're in it to create better lives for our children. Yep. We want more yep. opportunity yep. for them. Look, I never mm-hmm. got a chance to learn accounting or whatever topic is, right? Put right. them in accounting class, right? Yeah. Um, I never yeah. got a chance to go to college, finish college, you know? Yeah. I never got totally. a chance to play piano, play piano, you know? Yep. And it wasn't like a choice, right? And I think a yeah. lot of you know, a lot of kids, you don't have to be Asian to resonate with this. I just think a lot of kids from immigrant parents, that's just the mindset, right? Like education for them was an actual way out, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we ended up in the US partially because my aunt got sick and my mom, you know, felt like she wanted to be closer to her. But I really Mm -hmm. think the real reason in some ways they were just thinking, Hey, look, we let's, let's pursue the real you know, American dream, quote unquote, right? And they right. believe that if we were in the US, it would provide just more opportunity for my brother and I. And so that's so how, how we ended up there. Um, and I'm super grateful, by the way, because I personally think me growing up, like spending nine, 10 years in the US and like coming from a Canadian background, it gives you an edge, especially I live in Canada now. It, it just gives, I don't know, I, I maybe maybe it's just me in my mind and I'm okay with that, but I feel it, it definitely, you, you kind of take the best of both worlds. Yeah. So you grew up, so you're growing up, like your childhood was mainly in the U.S. and Maryland. Yeah. Like I was okay. in the U.S. 10 years old. So like from 10 to 18, those, and, what, what I call those developmental years. Formative. Yeah. The formative years. Formative years. The get in trouble nonstop years. Oh, well, yeah. all right. Hang on. Yeah. Hang so on. Tell us, tell us a story from those years. Yeah. Well, what was Wong like? How did he get oh, in trouble? I want a got in trouble story. Tell, me, tell no. me the worst. Tell me and the worst make it, thing. Man. Make it related to model minority somehow. Yeah. <laughs> My parents they they were running a, a they they were always like entrepreneurs, which is they always had like different like 
convenience stores before like the time of like 7-Elevens and like actual like mom and pop convenience store. Yeah, quick back stop. Then. Better. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like th- those those actually were, were quite profitable businesses back in like late 1990s. And so they, they had a really successful business in Canada. And so when they moved over to the US, I mean, they're, they're entrepreneurs, right? So they started a Chinese restaurant. And, you know, I'm, I'm rebellious. I'm trying to hang out with my friends. I'm trying to be the cool kid. I'm trying to fit in. I'm trying to figure out who Jay Wong is, right? He's this guy, gets in trouble, gets away with stuff, right? That summer, they were like, you, you're, you're working in the restaurant full time. Like, you're, you're, you're just going to do everything. Child labor, don't worry about that. You're, you're just here every day, every night. Child labor doesn't apply life. to family businesses. Yeah. That yeah, was exactly, your punishment. Right? That was your punishment, Jay. That was so. So long story short, the the restaurant ended up going under at the end of that summer. I just remember like that was the reason I share that is not like, you know, for any type of like sympathy, but like that moment actually changed a lot of things for me. You know, that was one of those moments where it got me to face, you know, who I potentially could be. It's not like I thought, oh, oh my God, this is like all my fault. You know what I mean? It wasn't necessarily like that, but I think when you're younger and you kind of see your parents like struggle and you know, their heart breaks over and over again, you start wondering, Hey, you know what? Am I delivering my absolute best? Right. Am I showing up as the person they believe me to be, even if maybe I don't believe in that. Right. And, and that was probably day one of me starting to say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to start attacking life. You know what I mean? I'm going to start like actually going at it and diving into how whatever skills or unique skills or unique abilities, like I didn't know any of that stuff about myself, right? Um, so yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was a little I, fun, fun I story. I think that's always, that's always like a, an interesting switch that happens to us, all of us, wh- whether you're black, white, yellow, brown, is seeing your parents as human beings. The call, I call it the mortality switch. And it's not just, oh, everyone dies, but it's like, no, these are human be- beings trying things failing at things. They don't have all the answers. I thought my whole life they had all the answers, but something like uh, a business failing, getting fired, seeing a divorce, something like that. I mean, it forces, childhood goes away a little bit more at that moment, you know? Yeah. Um, well, so Jay, it, it, I, I know yeah, for me, it was, it was literally just, it, it required like a brand new level of leadership. You know what I mean? And I think it, it's, it's just, you're, you're, you're saying, hey, are you ready for that? And the truth was, I wasn't like, I didn't feel like I was, you know, ready. Right. Yeah. But you know, um, it's too bad. It's like sink or swim, get on board. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So what did your parents want you to be when you grew up? Jay? <laughs> um, look, I laugh because I feel like every, uh, maybe a- Asian American or Asian Canadian would probably say the same, you know, three to five answers. Right. Doctor, um, lawyer, they, engineer. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Like the, the, the most stable, job that you could possibly find that has a high status in society, right? If you're a doctor, you're saving lives. If you're an accountant, it means you're good with money, right? Like if if you're a lawyer, people respect you, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But because of the whole business failing thing, I actually went to business school because a part of my brain was like, hey, maybe I can like learn something about business to prevent that. You know what I mean? I can't go back Mm -hmm. in time, but maybe I could be better, right? Around this whole business stuff. And I didn't even know what business was. Like, and to be honest, like it, I, I, I just, I, you know, I knew that somewhere in there, I, I could figure out a way to not just make money, but be better version of myself. Well, so Jay, right now, um, you know, 
people know you as this this podcast leader, you know, you, you run like a, a pretty successful shop and you get a lot of people on the air and you're training people to be the best versions of themselves on the air. But I'm guessing you didn't come right out of business school and be like, I want to be a podcaster. So <laughs> how did you go from business school? It's like, I don't even know how someone would get there. How, how did you right. get from business school to podcasting? Look, so I'm going to, I'm going to jump a little bit because, um, when I came out of business school, um, I worked for a company called strategic coach and it's still to my day, still to this day, one of my favorite like jobs, gigs that I've ever had, mostly because one of my, like the, the CEO of that company, Dan Sullivan ended up being kind of like a mentor in so many ways. Right. And they're a company, if you're not familiar with strategic coach, they, they pretty much are like, they, they do, uh, high like training programs for high net worth entrepreneurs. Like we're talking people that are trying to send people to space, like those types of businesses, like very cool. eight figure, nine figure beyond, like it was, in, it was intense, right? Just being in the room with some of these individuals was intense, right? And, you know, I was 22 years old, came overdressed all the time. You know what I mean? I'm showing up in like three piece suits, sitting in right. the back of the room, right? Every entrepreneur is in like, you know, a right. nice in shirt jeans and jeans. And a t-shirt, right, yeah. right. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm just this overdressed, you know, individual in the back. Um, and look, they, they, they were doing tons of stuff like webinars. They, they already had podcasts. They were doing like video marketing, right? But look, all that stuff didn't click for me. Like, I'm not saying like I saw it in them and I was like, oh yeah, let me join this production team. It wasn't like that. Um, I ended up kind of creating my own quote unquote sabbatical from that, that, you know, area of, of, of my life. And, mm -hmm. um, I, I was living in, in, I, I did some vagabonding essentially. Right. Some people call it like digital nomad, but look, I wasn't like trying to run a business. Uh, so there's about like a 14, 15 month like stint where I was just like learning Mandarin, hang out in, in Asia. I was living in Shanghai for most of it. Right. But hung out in, in South Korea and Southeast Asia. It was just kind of exploring and like doing my thing. And mm -hmm. when I came back, no savings. Right. Um, had to, had to, you know, when, when I left, I, I moved out of the apartment, um, that I was staying in downtown Toronto. So I had to move back in with my parents. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, to be honest with you, the whole podcasting thing came out of a little bit of a desperation, to be honest, because at that time I was like, you know what, I'm going to, you know, I'm 25 years old. I'm going to go for it. Right. Like what's the worst thing that can happen. Right. Because, yeah. you know, I figured I'm 25. I got nothing to lose. I already have no money. Right. Like there's yeah. no better time to start. You know, so I was like, okay, what are people doing? Like, how are people like getting speaking engagements? Like, how are they like going out and helping people? Like, how are they becoming this like thought leader individual? So, you know, I would see what people are doing, right? So you would mm -hmm. see people write blogs. Okay, let's let's try let's try writing blogs, right? Um, you would see people do videos. Okay, let's try doing some videos, right? You see people write an ebook, which terrible decision. Don't do that. Um, as an opt-in, <laughs> you have an ebook. Terrible. You have an ebook. Oh, interesting. No, 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 <laughs> no I, I don't. I don't. Um, okay. Anyways, <laughs> you need to build an email list. So wrote some ebook, right. like t terrible, right? Like doesn't right. even convert on, on a conversion side. So tried all these different things. And uh, the last thing, the last thing I ended up on, somebody was like, hey, have you ever thought about like having a podcast? Like having like, like a hub of all your content. Mm -hmm. And I thought for the, I mean, this was 2015. I thought, to have a podcast, you got to like one, have a studio in your basement, 
right? And then two, I got to know somebody at the radio station that will let me use like the studio there. Like, I I don't know. I had all these like preconceived like notions about like, I can't know, like that's not even an option. Um, And it turns out it is an option. And I remember I just started, like I I got a mic. Um, You guys will appreciate this because I know we've kind of gone through this whole kind of like tech conversation over and over again. But like, I I couldn't, I mean, it it seems so stupid to say this, but I didn't want to buy like one of those like stage foam, like balls or like, what's it called? Like the pop filter, right? That that go on the mic. Um, And I saw this in like a form. They were like, oh, what you could do if you don't want to, you know, buy any of those things, you can just put a sock over the (laughs) mic. And so I would start interviewing oh people and then sometimes the video's on and they're, they're like, is that a sock? Like one, one, one guest was like, is that a sock on a mic? It's like, oh no, no, I'm um, sorry. Uh, let me, uh, we're, we're doing audio only interviews right. from now on. Um, but yeah, I that's, kind, that's, I kind of want to now get some of my old like I work socks and put them over my thing. To add apparently it works fun. the same. Apparently that's it's, it, that's, that's what, that's what happens. But yeah, that's, that's how it kind of got started. Wow. But what was, so what was your podcast about at that time? What was the content um, about? Look, I, 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 I went this route, which is I want to pose a massive question that I certainly don't have the answer to, but because I'm going to pose such a massive question, it's going to hopefully attract some of the bigger names, the bigger celebrities in the personal development space and the business space, right? For them to share their two cents. That was like always my thinking. So yeah. the theme was this like massive theme, right? Choosing legacy over currency. Like, how do you choose? And like, like guys, I had no money, like right. nothing. Like I'm starting, my parents come home. I'm like recording things in the living room, you know? <laughs> Once again, that, that, the whole disappointment came oh, back, no. right? Oh no. Same eyes. They're like, oh my God. What is wrong with you? Like, go get a job. Like, you had a job. Like, people would kill to have a job, Jay. You know, they're telling me all this stuff. Like, hey, I saw this opening here. Would you like to get connected with my friend over here? Right? They run an accounting for. Oh my god! So it, it was just this nonstop back and forth. But because of that theme, I was able to get actually some some pretty awesome big name individuals to come on. And that really did jumpstart my kind of audience at that time. People like a Bob Proctor, um, people like a, a Grant Cardone. We've had a couple billionaires now, um, and those are always you know big kind of draws. So it's still, to, to be honest with you, it is still to this day the theme because I, I kind of, I mean, I have my kind of opinion on on the theme now, but in so many ways, I've changed and evolved from just that individual in 2015. Hopefully, hopefully that answered your question. <laughs> Yeah. So related to that, so the guy in 2015 or the guy in when you were 16, if you could go back and tell that person anything that you've learned since then, so if you could give advice to your past self, what would it be? Oh man, this is such a good question. Look, I was, I was at a dinner about a year ago in San Diego and the dinner was made for a bunch of affiliate marketers. So very, very successful affiliate marketers. I, I know the words affiliate marketing, you know what I mean? Like I understand consciously what it's about, but I've never ran like an affiliate promotion really in my life, right? I just kind of knew somebody that, that was hosting the dinner. They invited me. I said, sure, right? And so I found myself at this dinner table without, w- without knowing anybody really in, in the room. And we were asking these types of icebreaker questions. And uh, one of the questions was, hey, if you could go back to yourself in 10 years, right? 
what kind of advice would you tell yourself? Or you can go back to yourself in the beginning of your career. What would you tell yourself? And people had all sorts of answers. And I don't even remember what my answer was, but um, there was a gentleman that was sitting right across from me. I got to his turn. And he said, if I can go back in time and talk to myself in the beginning, I would say, I, I don't even remember his name. Let's just call him John for, for all intents and purposes. Um, he would say, John, so he's talking to himself, right? John, all the goals that you're writing down right now, like all the stuff that you're saying, all the affirmations that you're like half believing in, like all this stuff that you're doing right now, I just want to let you know it's all going to happen and it's going to be okay. And that was his advice. And when he said that, I don't know, like so much of the room, it felt like it stopped. So many people, you know, so many people just kind of like halted and, and kind of, you know, was thinking internally. And I personally think like, Okay, that that in my opinion is the like perfect answer in some ways. Meaning that if you can let your younger self know anything is that look, you're you're going to be able to figure it out, right? If anything, double down on all the things that you're doing, right? And do it with that much more belief, right? Do it with that much more um umph, right? So to to be able to step in and own it more. So even as I look back like to myself, it's like, look, if you're going to be this rebel, like own that, right? Like if you're going to step out and, and be this like awesome thought leader in the creating content, you got to own that to, to, to be able to do it right. So it's something I'm constantly and always like working on. But um, yeah, that, that's probably what I would say. Jay, this, this explains, it's really deep now, but I'm being serious when I say this. Okay. This explains your hair. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I'm not good. Anyone should go he check just, out. He poured his heart out just I don't now. No, I'm being, I'm being sincere. I'm being absolutely <laughs> sincere. I no, I'm not going to lie. I'll, I'll explain this. So, uh, listeners, quickly, yeah, please, please explain. All right. Yeah, yeah. I want you, I want my <laughs> listeners to Google Jay Wong. Right. Uh, I think uh, I think it's like done for you podcast or something. Google him, and you'll see a picture of me. Good looking guy, super professional, and there's something about him. You notice know, he has awesome hair, and I'm. I'm obsessed with Asian hair, but do. he's done very awesome things with his Asian hair. And I'll just leave it at that. You have to go look it up, listeners. But Jay, Jay, you have Hong Kong movie star hair. Yeah, and oh, no, well, thank you, thank but, but you. You're, you're leaning in, so you talk about you know growing up a rebel, leaning into it, owning it, and that's a very conscious choice. What you're what you do with your hair, and again, look, is it the most important thing about yourself? No, but some would argue conservative Asian parents or business people would argue, whoa, you know, wear that suit to the consulting meeting, right? Fit in all the way. And you've chosen, not just with your hair, let's be clear, with other things, and the hair is a metaphor for it, but it's a true one, to lean in, to to lean into what makes you different, what makes you special, to say, hey, I've got a little bit of an edge. Um, And I really, the first time I saw it, I was like, huh, that's interesting. If it was memorable, <laughs> like uh, he's not just some any other Asian Canadian podcast coach mentor, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it, nice. it really fits the personality, and I understand it now. So anyway, um, I want to shift gears a little bit. We've talked a lot about you know your upbringing and your pr- professional trajectory. Jay, talk to me about love. I gotta know, like. Uh, <laughs> Love, I, love, love, what kind of podcast yeah. is this very personal yeah. podcast our, our listeners want to know is there is there a lady or a guy no but in all seriousness i i know you're in a relationship um i think she's not asian and you know your parents might be concerned but yeah. uh, t- tell us about the missus 
this is this is an awesome podcast, by the way. You guys, whoever's listening, to to everywhere. The, listen, the listeners need to be subscribing because this is this is a, a, it's like a good level of awkwardness, but like in the in the best ways. I don't I don't know how to. I'm really good at that coming from you, but you're just deferring. Yeah. You're deferring now. You're trying to reflect and not answer the question. <laughs> so, We've done this enough um, times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you guys know. You guys know. We were, tra- um, we were trained by the best. We were trained by the best. <laughs> I hear that guy has good hair too. Yeah. Um, so look, my, my girlfriend, her name is Francesca. Okay. Ooh, That's Francesca. not an Asian name. That is not. No. That is not. Western names. I've, I feel like <laughs> yeah. Asian girls, East Asian girls specifically. Ch- Chinese girls specifically have the their American name or their Western name is usually this super conservative, you know, Doris Veronica yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. name. Anyway, but Francesca, I'm guessing she's not Chinese. Yeah, so she grew up in Italy. Like her family, like she's like Italian, not like not like how when people in North America are like, oh yeah, like I'm Italian, but then it you know they don't speak any Italian, right? I like that like, all like yeah. yeah, she's fluent. Even it happens with Asian people all the time. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm Chinese. But then they're like, oh, do you know any Cantonese or Mandarin? They're like, oh no, 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 dude. I, I grew up in California, man. Right? <laughs> like I grew up in wherever. But no, she's like from Italy. We actually met. Remember that little stint in in Shanghai and in Asia? Yeah. Like we met. We were in different like Mandarin classes. Believe it or not, she spoke better Mandarin than I did when we first met. It was it was crazy, oh. like mind boggling. Because my Mandarin was like non-existent at the time, but uh, she has a degree in languages and she's a YouTuber, so she has like a massive community. And when I say massive, I mean it's not massive in numbers. Like I think fifty or sixty thousand, like total. But forty thousand on on like YouTube, you know, twenty I think probably on Instagram. Uh, she just launched her first product a couple months ago, so that's going really well. But she she's in the beauty niche. She's an Italian beauty niche, and I'll, we'll we'll link to all her like social media channels. But we we always um, kind of joke about this, but it's it's true because we we just discuss with each other. All her content is like very video based. It's very like you know like everything you know TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, like anything that is like video live, anything like that that's like her genre, like that type of content that she loves. And I'm very much the audio person. Right. Because there's just different, it's like different pros, like there's different depths that you could get to, I think with, with audio. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit of my dear Francesca. But how did your, um, this is a, a very specific model minorities question. You know, I, oddly enough, I married a Chinese American woman who's not Indian. Right. And I dated right, a lot of right. not Indian girls and my, you know, my sister married a non-Indian and dated non-Indians. And that caused a lot of headaches and discussions in the family. So, I mean, is it because you were already rebelling and doing things? Your parents like, hey, uh, Her parents you know, just gave uh, up. Yeah, they were yeah, like, they he's never going to marry a Chinese girl. Yeah. Never. He's like, <laughs> not only is he not going to be an accountant. Right. We, he's not. Like, we're, we're not having yeah. Chinese grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> so look, look, couple, couple of notes on that. And I don't know if your listeners will agree, but... Look, I'm I'm just gonna say it how it is. All right, mixed kids, they're 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 gonna be a they're they're technically a superior superior race. race. Genetically, genetically. Not only are they gonna be beautiful, they're gonna be genetically better. So there's there's more diversity in the gene pool. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, look. That's not that's not even my opinion, right? And and look, second, I I tell my younger brother this, Sharon. I think uh, you kind of was spot on on this. 
he's he's about four and a half, five years younger than me. And mm-hmm. his his name is Morgan. And I was like, Morgan, you have no idea how easy your life is because of all the fights and every <laughs> like every comfort zone my parents had pushing right. and fighting right. them on every little detail from like you know, 12 to 18, right? Like, totally. like totally. I was like, you have no idea how easy your life is. Right. Yeah. And he's, you know, he brushes it off. He's like, no, no, you know, whatever. But he knows, he knows right. that like you only get that tired from being constantly in a battle with, <laughs> with an individual. Right. As a younger sibling and speaking for all younger siblings around, you are a hundred percent right. It's Jay. so true. It's so true. Like I, I am the oldest as well. And I married a black guy and my younger sister who divorced her Chinese husband had it so easy. And, you know, divorce in Chinese culture also very taboo, oh, you know, yeah, but when that came up, my parents were like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was just like, a- uh, Okay. <laughs> Like, just kind of like, all right, you know, like, like Sharon's already kind of gone off the deep end. So like you get in divorce. All right, cool. Like, <laughs> we're just going to okay. accept this now. <laughs> I, I need to flip the question a little bit. I rarely actually even do this in interviews, but because this is kind of a special conversation, you guys have had similar experiences too. Like how, how would you guys kind of look at that or, or address that individually? You mean the, uh, the multi-racial yeah. relationship thing? Yeah. Raman and I talk about this a lot on the show. I mean, it's like, I think it's one of those things where, and you're going to notice this too, if you and Francesca ever have children, the parents are probably going to push, push, push. But then once you have kids, once they see their own face in the form of a baby, it's all good. You know, it doesn't matter how they felt earlier as you were dating, as you got more serious, maybe you guys lived together, all the fears and anxieties, as soon as they see their grandchild, whatever shade of skin, whatever color, eye color, whatever hair color, they see their little nose in that little, you know, in that baby, they see like the same ears, they're going to suddenly, it's like they go colorblind. Like my, my dad says that all the time. He's like, I don't even see race anymore. Whereas in the beginning, when I first bought my, at the time, boyfriend home, it was like kind of a thing. You know, we definitely had some disagreements on, on that. But Sharon, I'm going to so, flip that. I'm actually going to flip that. Okay. Because Go ahead. Um, my sister married a black guy, um, all the family arguments and discussions. And I, you know, I almost served as a surrogate for my sister fighting these battles and calling my parents out because she couldn't handle it right emotionally. But, and all those, you know, and, the, and part of the conversation, and maybe this is specifically with African-Americans, um, is you know, we're thinking about the kids. They would say this before they were even married, right? Like, and obviously kid comes out. Oh my God, it's a baby. It's innocent. He or she's beautiful. And yes, you're right. Head over heels in love. I would argue specifically with African-American kids, my parents now, they're not colorblind. If anything, they're more woke to the concerns of color in this country now because my, my parents have a little black granddaughter and a little black grandson. Um, and because that's just kind of what happens. And my, my sister called my parents out at the same time my sister was marrying a black guy. I was marrying an Asian American woman. And she called them out. She's like, why? My parents were starting with the, they're not Indian. We'd prefer an Indian. And my sister would be like, well, you're not giving um, Raman as hard of a time because I dated an Asian American woman, right? A model minority, so to speak. Right, and right. there's something to be said about that. Um, but, and there's other things that my parents have to reconcile with it. Um, you know, I always did rebel against the culture, um, try to assimilate, don't speak the language, don't want to watch Bollywood movies. Um, and I 
have a wife who is moderately accepting of it, but she doesn't want to lean in either. My mom was so upset that we didn't have an Indian wedding, you know? Um, and I think about that a lot now, having a kid. Like, if anything, my wife and I are now leaning into, we have a four-year-old, the idea of Chinese New Year is more important now than it ever was for us growing up. Yeah, Diwali, more important now. I actually had a long conversation with my daughter about Ganesh, one of the main Hindu gods. And I'm an yeah, atheist. Yeah, Ganesh. Yeah, the elephant guy. But the I'm, elephant I'm an guy, exactly. But, but the culture, my daughter's American, full stop. And I tell her that when she asks, am I half Chinese, am I half Indian? I say, oh, you're American first. Don't let anyone ever tell you that. Because especially in this era we live in. But those cultural touchstones I rejected, I resisted, I rebelled against. <laughs> my parents were right. It's, it's more important when you have kids. It really is. I, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that, Sharon. But it's, it's something I, yeah. I'm struggling with every day now. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think that it is when you're in a mixed race um, relationship, it's the onus then falls upon, like, so for me, I feel like it's my responsibility to teach my kids about Chinese New Year because my husband has no relationship to that whatsoever. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it is. And I think in those ways, it, it does become more important than ever. Whereas I think it's hard to know, but like, I feel like if I were to have married a Chinese man, then maybe that would have been a shared responsibility. And I I wouldn't feel like I had to own it as much. so that's just been interesting. But it's so when you're community. ready to have babies, Jay, you let us know. We can coach you through that. We'll, we'll help you through yeah, it. Yeah, no, this is this is some good perspective. But uh, yeah, we're not we're not quite there yet. But this is <laughs> it's it's good. I I I learned like quite a bit just listening to you two right now. Um, yeah. well, look, Jay, we don't have a, that much time left, so I want to kind of switch it up a little bit more again and move to something we're calling speed round. Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready for Let's the speed round? Yeah, this is where we, play we, fun we, music. we we hundred percent need to. Yeah. Exact, I was yeah. just thinking the same thing. You know, something da 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 da. Speed yes. round. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to let you know. Um, look, there's no wrong answers. There's just wrong people. So uh, keep that in mind. <laughs> okay, let's, that's funny. Let's do this. Let's do this. What, Jay, what's one thing about you? And we've covered a lot of territory here, but give me one more thing. And it's go, go deep. What's one thing about you that no one expects? I can solve a Rubik's cube in two minutes or less. Oh my God, you are a model minority. Moving the stickers, <laughs> AJ. Move, Jay. I got moving the stickers doesn't count. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or switching it with a brand new one somehow. Right, exactly. That's no, even no. better. I, I'm just going <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ru- to keep a Rubik's cube in my backpack from now on just to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. All right, I got one. Um, what's one book or movie? with characters that you can relate to? Oh, um, oh, it was a really good one. I just read it a couple months ago. Um, Alchemist, again, Paulo Coelho. Oh, yeah. Love, you're, love you're that one. You're the second person to have said that. On the podcast. On, on the podcast? On the podcast, yeah. It's a lot of people's favorite books. So if you yeah. don't know what book to say and you don't want to say a yeah. business one, uh, it's, it's a good yeah. go-to. That is a good book. I Here's, like I, I'm one. wondering, there, there's another, a future speed round question coming up. I'm not going to tell you which one. But if you oh if you go two for two, it's the same yeah. answer as other I people. I know. I know which one you're know, talking about, We know about, this whole Roman. thing is rigged. We know this whole thing I'm is rigged. I'm excited. Um, okay, Jay, you go. what's your favorite oh, mom dish? What's your favorite mom dish? Favorite mom dish? Yeah. The, like the as in like... Makes, something your mom oh. makes that you want to go home and eat right now. Dumplings? Yeah. What kind? What's in them? What's How in does them? she make them? I, I, I mean, soy sauce. 
pork, veggies, fried, but not too fried. Inside is still just like moist and soft enough. So it's not like overcooked. It's good. Yum. And she makes them from scratch. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's really good. Commitment right there. Right there. What's your least favorite food? Least favorite food? I'm, I'm like, I pride myself on like eating everything. I don't know if that's like a growing up Asian thing. Um, I think it is partially. Um, least favorite food. I, I don't know. Like, like, oh, miss, do you guys have a Mr. Sub in US, in, in, no. in, in America? Is There's a brand. Like Subway? It's, it's, it's kind of like Subway, but it mm-hmm. sucks. <laughs> it's kind of like, like Canada, right? It's it's kind of like America. Yeah. <laughs> okay, no, no, but we have we have Subway. We have Quiznos. All of our Canadian listeners. No, no, no. Okay, Mister Sub. No, seriously, seriously. It, it is. It's like a massive chain. Like I cannot believe that it is. It it still exists and it's profitable. Like I've never wished for a business to go out of business more <laughs> than Mr. Sun. You should just like interview people about why they hate Mr. Sun. Oh, if I had, yeah, if our, if, if I have a few more people on our team and it frees up my like <laughs> my time where they're like, yeah, just go crazy and like be you. Yeah, I, that that would be on the docket. <laughs> so funny. Um, who is someone out there that? If you, for a podcast, if you could interview someone for a podcast, who's the one person out there that you want to interview? Anyone? Alive or dead? Uh, Any, or, anyone. Okay, okay, anyone. Me. Um, I mean, the first person that came to mind, which kind of seems like a generic answer, but honestly would be super fascinating, would be Elon. Um, but if, if uh, I'll give you a, 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 maybe like a, okay, this, this is going to seem... Uh, I don't know, maybe too soon, but I'm, I, I was, when I started my podcast, I was really upset that, um, do you, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Dr. Wayne Dyer, some of Wayne yeah. Dyer's work, mm-hmm. I was really I upset because he passed away that year. And I, I had a reach out to him, like written out. I, I have like a very special way that I do reach out. You guys probably know, I think. Um, and anybody who's ever like met me in a from a cold approach probably has seen it in some regards. Um, but I didn't reach out to him because I thought my show wasn't big enough and I wanted to interview 20 more people before I reached out. And before we ever got there, I found out he, he passed away and he probably would have said no and all this stuff. But... The fact that I never actually press sent um, still bugs me. And mm. yeah, so I, I would love to be able to replay that and, you know, have a circumstance where I'd love to be able to chat with Dr. Wayne Dyer. Wow. We thought you were going to say Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Look, no, I, I know this might seem a little arrogant, but that's just a matter of time. That, that's, that, right. that interview is going to happen sooner or later so one, one, of our, one of our one of our guests actually said michelle i think yeah or michelle she needs a podcast that she would does. be good she does you should cold, cold outreach to michelle and then you could have barack on yours i think that's the plan yeah. that 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 would be good that would be like a very solid q2 <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right final question you ready yes I'm ready this is a big one what does being a model minority mean for you? 
You know what's crazy? I knew you guys were going to ask that, and yet I didn't even prep for it. Um, look, I think kind of to what you guys were saying about five, 10 minutes ago, I think it's choosing to lean in wherever you're at. You know, I, I spent most of my life n- resenting the fact that, not resenting, but trying to fit in, like I'm not Asian. You know what I mean? I'm Canadian, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I didn't speak Chinese. I didn't speak Cantonese or Mandarin in, in public. And look, there was a certain point in my life where I got really good at Mandarin. And it just showed me a different appreciation of my own culture and of the language. And even though I don't speak Mandarin as much as, you know, every, like every single day or even every single week sometimes, um, I think it's good. Like, I do think it's good. And I don't have kids, but I see that. Like, I see that, like, if you can lean in on it, it creates a different, like, understanding of culture, which can only help the, the person have a more global view. Um, so, yeah, I would say it's, it's a person that chooses to lean in. That's great. Jay, thank you so much for being with us today. This was an amazing discussion. We learned so much about you. (laughs) Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. And I'm legit serious. This is probably one of the more awkward shows I've been on. But I appreciate both of you guys for holding space. (laughs) Mission accomplished. (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform. For more about this episode, links to things mentioned, or to join the conversation, visit monmypod.com. We'd love to hear from you. And here's a preview of our next episode. Being a Black female founder is nothing short of just difficult. Now, being a Black founder of a femtech slash sex tech company is even more excruciating because I get turned down for stuff because I'm a, they say that I'm a sex tech founder because of the coverage area that private packs provides therapy to, which the first product is for the Volvo. So for instance, I found out that Silicon Valley Bank would not give me a bank account because they thought I was embezzling money. That's it for now. I've been Raman Segal. And I'm still Sharon Lee Tony. Remember, we're all model minorities out there. We'll talk to you soon. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.